Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improviser from New York, and uh, we're going to get into that in the plug since, you know, I'm talking about things that I may not have permission to talk to yet. But, you know, hey, we're not that big a podcast. I can get away with it. Uh, Chelsea's still on her hiatus, and we love her and miss her, but I saw her yesterday. She'll be back soon. But we are back today with a guest host. You know him. You love him. He's an actor. He's a writer. He's an improviser. Uh, and you know, I've heard him referred to as the symbol of black excellence. He has a PhD in Get Out. Back on the show, John Ross. Hello, John. Rick, how you doing? I'm doing good. I was thinking about you the other day uh, and how much fun we had at a magnet mixer doing a, a three-person scene with Jenny Hochberg. And I was... In my mind, being Lemmy from Motorhead in a scene, complaining about being in a band and how I wanted to quit, and you just named me Ringo. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm fucking Ringo. And there's a <laughs> world of difference between Ringo Starr and Lemmy Killmister. But, you know, you're just that good that I don't even mind. <laughs> Very fair. And I'm glad to roll with the punches. <clears throat> so we're here today. Because, you know, Jordan Peele put out a new movie. And who else are you going to talk to but the experts in all things Jordan Peele um, outside of his immediate bubble, of course. Uh, although I yes. think you, you'd fit in there well, I think. I'd love, I mean, if he'd had me, if he'd have me, I'd, I'd love to to be there. You know, I, I could get coffee. I can be in front of a camera. I can be kind of behind the camera, you know, wherever. I'd, I'd be there. <laughs> You could just be an advisor, like, I don't think you should do this shit. <laughs> I think we should go get some pancakes, and uh, we'll come back later. Let somebody else figure it out. Oh, I'd love, man. Getting pancakes with Jordan Peele would be an excellent outing. You'd be there, like, having a continental breakfast. I'll have oh, what I'm having. Yes. A, little, a fork, not a spoon. A fapoon. <laughs> So Nope came out. You saw it. I saw it. We had a good time. We had a great time. I did not watch the preview. I wanted to go in cold as humanly possible. I, so, I watched the, I got, I got very, I was nervous about Nope. And I was only nervous, even though I liked this other movie, I was nervous about Nope because of the Get Out to Us bridge. Mm -hmm. Um and us for those that don't know Jordan Peele's second movie um that he wrote and directed um it's there all the the worst thing i can say about any any of his movies is that it's like un, like a 90 like his worst movie is a 90 out of 100 mm -hmm. to me so that's like you know and that that's me being like that's me on a bad day like yeah. I would say more fairly, us is probably like 92, 93, like high A, you know, high A minus. Um and the a, a part of that is there was a lot more, there were two big things in us. There was a huge tone shift in us uh from the, where the movie started to where it ended. And the tone shift is not reflected in the early previews, um, in the early trailers for the movie. It's reflected in the later trailer. So if you saw a later trailer and then you saw the movie, you probably got the right like tone idea going in. So I say all that to say that in you know watching trailers for Nope, I saw all the teasers. I got nervous when the newer trailers started coming out. I was originally like, I'm not going to watch. I'm just going to go in blind. And then I was at some other movie. And of course, they just showed me the trailer um, because that's how movies do. Um, and... When I saw it, I was like, oh, this gives me a whole new idea of like what this movie is about to be about. And we're going to talk about some other stuff later that like kind of points to uh, the themes and stuff uh, and stuff in the movie, like the alternate title for the movie um, that Jordan Peele was pitching. And uh, but like there, there's stuff in the trailer, I would say, if you're like cautious of the movie or you want to know kind of like more of what to expect watch like i think it's trailer two and three on youtube um if you do want to go in blind totally respect that but no it's like a, a wild ride mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I, I i agree with your assessment of jordan peele it's similar 
to my opinion of Quentin Tarantino that mm. Reservoir Dogs is Tarantino's worst movie because it's also his first movie and he's gotten better. And if that's your worst movie and it's still that fucking good, you're doing yeah. all right. Reservoir Dogs is like a it, the 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 thing I tell people when they haven't seen Reservoir Dogs. I'm like, oh, it's a like go in knowing it's a play. He wrote a play and he made a movie out of a play. Like that's all you need to know. And most people, most of the time, people are like, oh, like when you gave me the play hint, like that let me know I was gonna be sitting there for a long time. I was gonna be sitting in scenes a long time. But like you can see, like you know, I've seen some of his later stuff. You can see how he improved over time. And like, yeah, to have your worst movie be like Reservoir Dogs or Us is insane. What a portfolio. Okay. So I, I think that 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 kind of gives me the inkling that you enjoyed Nope more than us. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, okay. yeah. I I mean, are we going to do, do you want me to do a ranking now? You want to save that till later? Um, no, you, you can do it whenever you want. Uh, just to let our listeners know, and I'm going to put this in the episode description. We're spoiling the shit out of Nope. It's been out long <laughs> enough. Um. <laughs> And uh, you're think, also choosing to watch or listen to this right yeah. now. So like, go watch the movie if you haven't. You can pause. Yeah. We'll wait. But uh, you know, I also <laughs> believe you can spoil some shit and that doesn't stop people necessarily from watching a movie, especially if it's a good movie. Oh, like, yeah. You know, uh, this is and this is one I plan to like, I think I I'm not 100 percent certain. I think I already pre-ordered like the Blu-ray DVD digital <laughs> pack. I, I like own them all because yeah. like I'm like when a movie's good I'm gonna own that movie like I, everything I, everywhere all at once I bought that right out out of the th- theater that was a good I agree as well I want a physical copy of things because sometimes you know streaming will disappoint you mm. uh, and it's like I speak will not, on it I will not be inconvenienced <laughs> by uh, a technological entertainment provider. Um, if I can have like my own grubby little copy uh, to watch whenever I want, yeah. I am the boss of me. And I don't, I don't know the PlayStation Five to not play Blu-rays on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, my my official ranking um, of Jordan Peele movie projects that he's written and directed is and one... subject to change because four <laughs> will be coming. Yes. So, subject to change, more will be coming. Uh, number one, get out. Number two, nope. Number three, us. And I would say get, get out and nope have like the potential to flip back and forth. Like catch me this time next year. I might be like, nah, nope is better than get out. Uh, but yeah. All right. So the movie is starting out. Um, I didn't even know Keith David was in this motherfucker. Me either. I thought. That was a great surprise. I thought that was such a fantastic surprise. Yeah, the the legendary bad motherfucker. Yeah, with a voice that somehow smooth and gravelly simultaneously at this age. Yeah. but in his younger days, definitely, definitely a lot smoother. But I'm guessing you know there, there's been some cigarettes and some brandies that have, <laughs> that have you know give a little rasp to it. But still, it's like oh, oh. Uh, yeah, okay. how can I sound that cool? He's got a great voice. Like whenever he pops up in something, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like he's he's the voice of the president in Rick and Morty, which is like <laughs> hilarious. Like it's just like I like think the first time it happened, I was like, is that Keith David? <laughs> and then I looked up, and they were like, holy shit, that is Keith David. What a get! I haven't watched Rick and Morty. Should I? Um. So yeah. I think if you like animate adult, if you like adult animation, I say give it a shot. It's it's like it's like a show. Did you like Community? I never watched Community. Okay, that's that's like a good place to start. Not a good place to start, but that's like a good like um, that's good to know. It's a show that like I can't describe it, but it does a perfect job of like giving you enough information to inform and build the world. And then, like, kind of blow it out and explore it in like meaningful and creative ways. Uh, I would kind of compare it to like how Tim. Uh, did you watch? I think you should leave. I don't believe I've heard of. I think you should leave. Is the Tim Robinson Netflix sketch show? Um, no, he's he's like a he former SNL person, but 
he basically all his stuff kind of starts like two pages in like instead of like getting the setup of the sketch you're getting like you get like a two second setup and then you're like getting into the world of like what the like whatever the fucking weird thing is you're shoved Um, in the deep end from jump you're shoved in the deep end from jump and rick and morty does a good job of putting you in the deep end but also kind of walking you through and it's like also taking us a, uh, a fun approach to sci uh to sci-fi from a comedy lens um in the sense that like one of my favorite episodes is ba- the way they do this episode is that the cold open is they're like we're going on a second adventure with this group of people that the audience has never seen so it's like basically they're doing a sequel instead of doing the first episode they jump straight to a sequel episode of a of a thing that's never, you know, we've never seen before as the audience. Um, and they do a lot of stuff that's like, yeah, you get, you understand this is like Avengers. Like, you get it. These are superheroes. We're going to jump to, like, the second movie because that's the more fun movie. Um, cool. cool. We're not going to do the setup of everything. But they also do a good job of, like, exploring relationships and stuff. It's it's Dan Harmon. Um, he's very good at, like, exploring that. That's what people like about the early stuff of Community. It's, like, it's funny, but, like, it's very funny, good jokes, but it's also exploring like interesting and fun relationships. So I say check out Rick and Morty. Nah, I'll get around to it. It's a lot of shit to watch. There's a lot of shit to watch. So yeah, bringing it back, we got Keith David as Otis Haywood Jr. looking real natural yeah. on a horse. Uh, his son Oj is played by Daniel Kalua, uh, aka Chairman Fred, um, doing his thing, and so a good. bunch of shit just falls out of the sky, and that's not good. And uh, basically, we get Keith David and we lose Keith David really fucking quick. Yeah. But in a wonderfully bloody, nerve wracking way of like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, a, I was like, oh, yeah. I, I think, I think when Keith David showed up, I was like, oh, yeah, Keith David's in this. And then I was like, I do kind of know, like, I have an idea of what this movie's about. So something's gonna happen like eventually oh nope we're three seconds in <laughs> it's already here but you gotta keep david for an afternoon yep get these shots and <laughs> give him his check send him on his way and maybe it was jordan peele saying i just want to work with keith david we only get that much fine i can work with that i can yeah work we with that amount of time. Yeah, I can see Jordan Bill being like, oh my God, we got Keith David. Let me write a role in for him real quick. <laughs> and just like, it's like, what's the cat? Like, you know, how can I, how can I work this in meaningfully, but for like two scenes? <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. And uh, he, as I said, is the father of Owish Haywood and Emerald Haywood, his uh, sister. I don't know how, how we describe her. Um, hype pain in the ass. She's like the yeah, brother. she's like the the pain in the ass little sister. Um OJ's like the the like hardworking, like dedicated big brother. Almost kind of not not golden child, but like he's definitely the, you know, they kind of lead into this later that he's like, you know, kind of his father's pride and joy. They both were in their own unique ways. Um, but you know, of course you can't. there's like the layer of complexity of like being a parent and expressing your love for, you know, each child individually and like making them feel unique uh, and appreciated and loved um, and not like, you know, holding one above the other. um, And yet, even when you try not to, you still kind of do. But yeah, she's absolutely the pain in the ass little sister. I think, I think in her introduction scene, I was like, come on, him. Like, come on! You're supposed to be my like one of my protagonists. I'm supposed to root for you. Ugh, fine. Yeah, that that introduction to her. You know, you you've got the the safety meetings where you know Oj is he he's the guy that makes it happen, but you know he doesn't want to be necessarily the face or certainly the mouth of taking over his father's uh, Hollywood horse business. Uh, that's been in the family so he, he feels this this obligation to like i have to keep this thing going and i i definitely uh grew up with something similar my dad 
who was an only child always had the, 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 the put the emphasis on things like you have to keep the family name going. But I don't like kids, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I, I'd relate to M a little bit more in that case. I'm like, nah, I'm going to do my thing. Um, and, and I'll help you out. And I'll, I'll go out there and, and do the the performance aspect of the thing but that's not necessarily where my heart lies yeah yeah she she i i think i appreciated that she had other ventures but i think there's also early on there's this level of like this is like a serious like this is a serious thing and <laughs> we he needs your help right now but you're like very not focused on the immediate task at hand um because you didn't really like, you know, when uh, and they kind of like talk about this a little bit. But like when her dad was around, when their dad was around, I assume she would like give like maybe she practiced giving this the the speech at the top. And then, you know, dad would take care of the rest of it. And OJ was there to kind of be his hand to help. Um, but yeah, we, we we introduced these two. They've lost their father. It's been what, about a year since he patent or mm-hmm. it's been about six months. I think it's been six yeah. months since he passed. Um, and uh, specifically, very interestingly, when he when he died, when we say a bunch of shit fell out of the sky, it was like quarters, coins, uh, a key, a, a thing that like really sticks out in OJ's mind is a key fell into a uh, uh, the 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 railing of his like the wooden railing of um the, the porch corral. leading yeah and oh yeah yeah the wooden railing of the corral I thought it was the stairways to the porch but a key fell down and like was sticking straight up almost out of the um out of the wood uh so it was very and he he I believe they show him look up into the sky and he sees like sort of a shadowy figure um but then like you know it disappears and we kind of fast forward to six months later um where he's trying to do a deal to uh uh because his the the whole spiel is that their family is uh ever since pictures could move his family has been in the business um and basically they're film horse wranglers uh we get a lot of fun visual jokes there's, a, there's also a pretty solid like comedy cast in that scene um, like the director uh, is, uh, I forget his name, but I like see him in so many things. He's hilarious. He's like the perfect little like smarmy asshole director. Um, and we later on see like when eventually the horse does like, basically people are dangerous around the horse and OJ like is trying to get him to help him cal- like correct the people so he can keep the horse calm. It all goes haywire. A makeup bag gets kicked and they're basically like, hey, let's get the horse offset. And in the background, you see like a green screen horse being brought in, um, which is funny because they're already on like a green screen set. So I don't know the like <laughs> the layers there. Um, I, I, I again, working in in set dressing uh, and, and, and props, I do like now uh, when I notice movies that are showing you some of the inner working of showbiz, particularly a safety meeting. Yes. Um, it's important to keep people safe on set uh, in all aspects of things. But I can also relate to M when like you get to the set and I'm one of those people that I want to know, where's the water? Where's the restroom? And then let's talk about work. Yeah. <laughs> Cause sometimes none of those things are close by, but they're very, very important. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, as, as the Haywood uh, family business is failing, uh, OJ is selling some of the horses, not his best horses, but some of them, mm-hmm. to Ricky Jupe Park, played yeah. by Stephen Yun, who mm-hmm. has who's who's a former kid actor, still trying to live off his fleeting fame and the successful show Kid Sheriff, which probably would have been a TV show when I was growing up, right in the it late eighties. Would- early 90s on syndication somewhere probably between uh small wonder and uh she wolf of london airing <laughs> on the weekends i watched both of those but for very different reasons 
Um, Your thoughts, please. I was, I was just going to say the the selling of the horses. What's like funny or what's interesting is like OJ makes like they because he's talking with him about it, I think, on the on their ride over. And OJ makes a very, very big point to be like, oh, this is like temporary. Like, I'm not selling them permanently. I'm working on a way to get the money so I can buy them back. Um, which, if you've seen the movie, is hilarious. Uh, and if you haven't seen the movie, you will find out why it's hilarious later, <laughs> uh, either in this podcast or when you see the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, them going over, uh, they go to what is now, uh, what's what's it called? Jupiter's... It's like a theme park, like a Western-type theme park. I don't remember the name. I forget the name. It's Jupiter something, but that that theme park is now... If I'm not mistaken, a Universal Studios, like, or I forget where it is, but they like, they kept the, they, they basically were like, we built this set. We're going to use it as a real theme park. So it's like the Nope Experience Park oh, uh, out in California. Yeah. Like if you, if you were in California, you can look up Nope Experience Park and it's, I think it's Jupiter's Landing might be the name of it. I um, would go to that. Yeah. It, it looked really interesting. I've seen like a few TikTok users, um, uh straw hat goofy uh who i follow on tiktok who does a lot of like mar he usually does a lot of comic book stuff but he also does a lot of just movie review stuff he went and he was like the experience was crazy like they they take you through like the pre-park and then through the after park (laughs) um uh like after it's hit uh but m and oj go to this park um oj's there like basically like hey m we're here on business please don't mess this up and M is just, she's a naturally charming person. Like, uh, on one hand, I'm, like, feeling OJ, like, yo, chill out. And on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know, M's kind of, like, nice. She's, like, she's not really bothering, you know, Ricky. Mm-hmm. Ricky's, like, kind of, like, in, intrigued by her. Um, and I think we should start with that the movie opens up with a pretty grim and dark scene from Ricky's past. Uh, which is his lens of remembering the the what we'll call the incident. Yes. Um, Let, let's let's get into show. the incident because he talks about it now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In this scene, he's got his memorabilia, uh, and he charges fans to come in to see uh, stuff from his hit show, Kid Sheriff, and yep. his short-lived controversial show that's been scrubbed from the internet, Gordy's Home, which again. Very akin to those late 80s or, or, or even early 80s, late 70s shows of like a sitcom family and something's unusual. Now, a lot yeah. of the times uh, back in the day, uh, especially with the, the hit of different strokes, it'd be like, it, here's a wealthy white family. Let's give them an African-American kid. And when you do that enough, it's like, let's give them an alien that's a puppet looking in your direction, Alf. Or, as yeah. I mentioned, <laughs> Swall Wonder. Here's a family. The kid's sister is a robot. Um, so Gordy's <laughs> home. There's a chimp. Yeah. And, okay, I, I realize I'm older than you, but I grew up there. I don't remember a lot of specifics, but there was a show called BJ and the Bear in which a truck driver would ride around with a chimpanzee that wore overalls and they'd help people and they'd solve mysteries. And I'm like, I want a monkey friend. This is, <laughs> that's what I wanted to grow up to do. I wanted to tell my little monkey pal my problems and have it dole out sage advice with only its eyes and maybe a few facial gestures. Um, <laughs> and you can't do shows like that anymore because, uh, Many of us remember back in the early 2000s, there was some lady that was living with, I believe it was a chimpanzee, who yeah. lost its shit, attacked her best friend, it ripped the woman's face and hands off, and then the cops came and shot that ape. I remember that. I remember hearing about that. It was like, a, it, I think for a while it was like urban legend status, and then like, once you, I guess, once more the details started to come out, it was like, oh, whoa, this is a real thing that happened. I'm, I'm sure enough time has passed and most people have forgotten about it because I noticed uh, there's a lot of short memories out there, some of it corona related. True. But yeah, that, that shit happened. Yeah. So, so to dwell on, to, to bring that up 
and and use that inspired by true events aspect into things starts to give us the commentary within the movie. And this is where I think Jordan Peele definitely falls into George Romero category of it's like the story may not mean too much to him when he's doing it, but what he's trying to say beneath it as in Get Out and as in Us uh, it's like, oh, he's talking about the exploitative nature of show business. Yeah. Be it crews, be it animals, or where like, you know, yeah, I, I get I get paid well. I'm very happy, but I am ass tired when I come home a lot of the time. Um and and same with other people. Like you've got these big corporations working you twelve hours, sometimes minimum. Uh, and you know they want to get the result that they want to get so they can make even more money and do even more things and you're not getting a lot of downtime and rest and mental health and maybe if you've got a business connected to that maybe you're not making your ends meet but yeah. somebody somewhere that's trying to have their breakfast sandwich wants to get through the safety meetings to get the fucking shot yeah yeah yeah. So so it backfires and Gordy loses his shit and attacks uh the cast of this fictional TV show. Yeah. That... Like truly nearly the entire cast. Mm-hmm. Um in a in a scene the we find out that the incident I think even Steven Yoon Ricky like when he first tells the story he kind of gives a cloudy version of it a little bit more of a uh, painted over version of like what happens, but it's truly one of the most disturbing scenes we see. We see Gordy for like, I think eight minutes of the movie. And it's probably the most disturbing part of the whole movie. Um, I think one of the things that made it most disturbing was that the, the, the motion capture CGI was so well done that to me, it, it, I had, trouble discerning that it wasn't a real chimp yeah it it looked really good there was like a few times where i was like i i kind of almost wondered if they did the jurassic park thing of like it was a little like a little bit of cgi but a lot of puppetry especially like with the hand motion and stuff um and there was also just like the aspect of like when we're seeing it through ricky's eyes it was blur it was like sometimes pretty blurry because like he's like a kid being traumatized he's like you know, mm. 10, 11 years old, getting traumatized. We're like watching him, watching him build this trauma, unfortunately. Um, and so there's parts of it where it's like, whoa, was this like, and and that's the thing that I think Jordan's talked about is like, um, like how memory, especially built around trauma or because of trauma rather in response to trauma um, can like give you like certain like images that, that like may be false. Um, like the shoe, there's this, there's this memory Ricky has of a shoe standing perfectly on its heel. Like when I say perfectly on his heel, as if someone's foot was in it and you know, it was pointed up at the ceiling. It's still pointed toe up to the ceiling heel on the ground at a perfect point. Um, And like, that's a, and that shoe is one of the like memorabilia pieces he has in his like secret collection room. Um, But like, he like held on to that memory, like very, very hard um and it it the 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 gordy ends up actually killing the mom and the dad in the show ricky has a sister in the show who is maimed but survives and the uh the the like final moment of the of the of the gordy attack is like you don't we don't see the beginning of the attack we just see ricky hiding like we see before the attack and we see after the initial attack you see some moments of the of um, Gordy killing the mom and dad, um, but like we don't see the full. It's it's, like, it's mostly heard off camera. Yeah, which, it's heard off. Yeah, which, which lets your mind fill in the blanks. It's uh, with so all much this, worse with all the the sounds. It's like what is happening? Yes, and, it's and young so much Ricky's worse. just hiding under a table, and we see like almost this. Um, this moment where Gordy kind of like seems to realize like, Oh no, like I've, I've done a bad, bad things have happened. And he comes to 10 year old Ricky 
and they have this move move where they like bump fists and do like an exploding fist ricky older ricky says it's the first time that an exploding fist bump happened on tv which was like that's that's like a fun silly fact to have in this world i love that um but they he uh gordy goes to do the exploding fist bump and right as gordy like you know right as ricky's about to do it um i think even they they might touch fists uh the police come in and shoot gordy in front of ricky and you just see like young ricky's face splattered with blood uh from gordy so it's 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 uh it's like a heavy scene it's it's a lot um most people i know that have seen the movie are like i would watch a whole movie about just the gordy thing um which is like i think a beautiful aspect of it, it that is a hard feat to pull off in both writing and um in, in movie making in general to and this is something we were talking about a little bit earlier with Rick and Morty but to build out that world enough that it's like I know what this world is I know what's going on we can explore just this small segment and I have like enough information to like one make me want to see more but two have me be informed enough to watch the rest of the larger uh, narrative of note I wouldn't um, be surprised if that ends up being some kind of dvd extra oh yeah that's part of why i want to get the blu-ray because like if they if they even if it's just like in commentary in dvd commentary of him talking about like oh yeah we had this idea for gordy but we ended up scrapping it we have these drawings or what like even if i just hear that i'm like mm, yum 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 gimme 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 um so we get that story this is all happening at jupes at uh, Ricky's, Ricky and Jupe are the same person, just FYI. Um, but this is all happening at Ricky's. Um, and basically, OJ is there to be like, hey, I want to start trying to buy back the horses. And Ricky kind of knows that he doesn't have the money yet to do this. So he's pretty much like, okay, that's fine. And then he invites OJ and M to come see his new newest show which has coincidentally been running for about like five or six months. Um, the newest, the uh, new show that he's been doing. And uh, that ends up coming into play later. But the next couple of scenes are more um, establishing like, it's really just establishing like OJ seeing something that has mm -hmm. come back to the farm. Yeah. Um, so We're there's this getting into the movie as at the commentary aspect, yes, yes, which I'm really liking the electricity around the farm and all the appliances and phones start going out and there's shit in the sky. Yeah, I don't know what it is. You just see this ominous shape behind some clouds or some shadows, and the horror fan in me is loving this. Because yeah. it's the inverse of Jaws. And, yeah. you know, not having seen Jaws before knowing what to expect. That movie's fucking old. So when I knew what it was, I knew what... It, it, it's it's like going into Psycho knowing, I'm just here waiting until she gets to the Bates Motel. Whereas people who didn't know that when it first came out, they're going in cold. So I'm feeling those goosebumps and that tension but that's familiar but now coming from an opposite direction from above and i'm like oh this feeling that i'm getting in the theater is so cool to me to yeah me. it's it's nice to know i can still get goosebumps from from fiction i, yeah, I yeah. appreciate that it's 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 like a great feeling because like i mean for those that like if you've just seen the posters for Note, um, or any, I mean, if you've seen any promotional information, it's about, you know, it's about aliens is like the, the like overarching kind of like thing. Like there's the, it, the, the, po the photos of them, like looking up at the sky. If you've seen like the red poster that has, um, Ricky's jacket on it, um, it's got like very clear alien imagery. So that's like, basically when like all the power and stuff starts going out all the spooky stuff starts going out it's like oh yeah, yeah yeah okay we're seeing it and what we're seeing um what we're seeing at this point is 
a if you've seen the movie, we're gonna get there, so calm down. But what we're seeing at this point is like looks like just a blurry ship. It's a ship in the sky, like kind of zipping and zapping and moving around. Um, and uh, the first time we see it is like this night scene where a horse runs off. Um, it kind of scares. It ends up scaring OJ, but the horse runs off, and uh, M kind of like. <laughs> I had a little power, what felt like a power flicker over here. Um, <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" I want to talk about it. Uh, you're you're M, saying too much. It's coming to get you, John. I know. Uh, M M is in the house. She's dancing to music. Um, if you've seen the trailer, it's like one of those early scenes. And as she's dancing, the the power like all fades down. One thing that's very interesting is um, this is not how this really works, but. Uh, every time the like the spaceship thing comes around and the power drops, they 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 do a cool effect of like, if someone's talking like this, they start talking larger. Mm-hmm. If it's like an electronic electronic recording, so even if they're on the phone, there was this moment where it happens with someone on the phone, and I'm like, that's not how that would happen, but that's a great way to convey to the audience this is how you know it is near, um, which is like so much fun it would happen that way like on a record recording which makes mm-hmm. perfect sense it would not happen that way on like a a digital phone device that's not a beef with the movie so much as like a clever way to like convey to your audience the message you're trying to send um but all the stuff starts to shut down and the horse runs off and it's gone and oj looks in the sky he sees the ship thing kind of zipping between clouds behind clouds never gets a really clear picture of it and he's kind of like He's kind of like, I don't I don't want to say that that's what I saw. And we get to later where M is like, what happened? What happened? And, you know, me personally, I'm like, I hope they don't do the whole like, you didn't see an alien spaceship. Get out of here. And he basically reveals it. And she's like, OK, we got to get we got to get proof. Mm-hmm. We got to get proof. She immediately is like. I believe you. We got to get proof, which I, I love. I, I I do like the reactions that uh, that live up to the movie's title of "You're in a bad situation." You're like, nope, nope, just not no. And yeah, that's when they start going to uh, whatever this movie's equivalent of Radio Best Shack. Buy is, yeah, <laughs> and they meet Angel Torres, uh, uh, played by Brandon Perea. I like to call this character the barbed wire nerd uh, for you know <laughs> the end of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who starts setting up all these security cameras with night yeah. vision? Because M's thing is like, we gotta get the proof because that's how we'll get paid. Yes. Yeah. So they, she's they, not whole... even. She's not looking to solve the mystery. She's thinking cash in ka-ching. Uh, the... and and I can admire that somewhat. Yeah, the whole the whole the whole driving force of this movie. Is... <laughs> It's unfortunate. Not the whole driving force, but a huge driving force is capitalism, um, which brings me to, Rick, I don't know if you knew about this, but Jordan's done interviews about the alternate title. So, I did not know there was an alternate title. So when you be- mentioned it earlier, I'm like, oh, what is it? And I'm like, John, I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> before uh, before they, before they he settled on Note, which he, Note was like, Note kind of has two plays, which is the, the main play is... Um, yeah, he was like, yeah, I just, you know, that's what, uh, that's what, you know, black people would say if they saw like aliens come there, and they, they would, they would just like, nope, uh, uh-uh, nope, gone, mm-hmm. which is like perfect. Another one I've seen explained is not of planet Earth in O P E. That's what a lot of the nerds I, I I read in the trivia were speculating uh, about when they first saw the preview, and my reaction to that is probably nope. <laughs> yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's that deep but i like it I, mm-hmm. I like you know i like the i like the connection i don't think it's that deep i think it's more just like nope just uh uh-uh, nope um but he was when he was talking in i forget who he was interviewing with um he was talking about how the original title that he was thinking about was called little green men which is a double entendre to play one to the aliens but two to money to men on mm-hmm. paper money um, See, I, I would think about people in uh, the, those green screen type outfits uh, as, as <laughs> with a horse head. That is funny true. story. I worked on Clifford, the big red dog, 
before the pandemic. And while the people were wearing the red suits and carrying around like the outline for the head, it's like that's very um, disconcerting to visualize to, to see in front of you for the first time uh, on a set. It's like okay, I know there's not going to be a big red dog in this place <laughs> that we're shooting, but like this is. This is the ridiculousness before the magic of the movie happens. Um, actually, funny story on that. I bent down to pick up something off the floor, and um, I guess I'd gotten a little bit of chunk, and my pants ripped right in the crotch. And I'm like, okay, I got to do something about this. Uh, I don't need the, the the children extras to see my drawers, so I just duct tape my fucking pants shut. At least it, it took a couple hours before some of my colleagues went, "What the hell happened to your pants?" <laughs> I don't want the kids seeing the balls. No, that's very fair. So we we got we duct tape, baby. Just uh, just tape it up, tape it up, tape it up. We tape gotta keep up. moving. Get home, throw out those pants. They could not have been salvaged. <laughs> it uh, it damn near became a kilt, is what I'm saying. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, uh, look, a kilt will work. All right, but. Not a makeshift guilt. Yes, exactly. So yeah, so so Angel's hooking up all these cameras, which don't work when you know the alien fucks with electronic devi- <clears throat> excuse me devices, and they're trying to figure shit out, and it's not working. You got to think outside the box. So in comes Antler's Holst, who's an old school cameraman. Uh, I believe you saw him in that safety meeting scene. He's the guy that's watching documentaries, and he wants the shot. He wants to get the impossible shot, the shot nobody else can play. He's played by the wonderful Michael Wincott, who I've been a fan of for decades and hadn't seen in so long, I legitimately thought he was dead. <laughs> he was, And he was great, too. Like, he was, um, he was almost uh, – and I, I think Jordan has talked – in interviews about how this movie is inspired heavily, uh, and I'm glad you brought it up earlier, but heavily by like Jaws um, and those types of thrillers. But he, uh, he like, I, and I haven't seen Jaws in forever, but I think he serves as like kind of the movie's Quint. Yeah, yeah. Um, like like an intellectual Quint. Yeah, as it were. Yeah, he uh, he like he also he, he's like he's like a very fun character like very interesting he's super not he's like very much not on board until uh so a little backtracking because this getting to him skips over a little bit but basically the the show that jupe invited them okay there's two things to know one they try to trick the alien spaceship oj and m so they steal one of ricky's fake horses from his uh from his um park they sell a white plastic fake horse with a that's got a flag tied to it and they set it out in their farm because their horses disappeared and they're pretty sure something's happening and when they do it they try and record this is like the first recording with angel they try to record the ship taking the horse up and of course the cameras cut out and they couldn't get it so but the horse is gone and they just see the flag kind of hanging in the air. So they have like some confirmation and OJ's like, great, that's like enough proof, right? And Angel and M are like, uh, that's like not enough proof. Like we need something definitive. We need something like undeniable on film. And OJ's like, okay, okay, what next? Uh, then we kind of cut back to Ricky who we see performing the show. Um. And the show is basically he buys horses from OJ and puts them in a glass cage. And he does this whole monologue spiel about like a wonder of the world. And effectively, he kind of calls down the ship and the ship comes down and uh, the ship comes down and eats everyone at the show. Yeah. It like sucks up everyone at the show. And Ricky's kind of like has this moment of like, oh no, what have I done? Like, you know, right before he gets sucked up. He, he's kind of intending to use just the horse as bait. And yes. what we learn is 
that it, it's not an actual ship. And the cool thing about that scene, yes. not only do you see him getting the family in there, but he's got his co-star from Gordy's home, yes. her face covered in a veil, but she's wearing a t-shirt of what her visage used to be as a child. And with the suction and the wind, that veil blows up a little bit and you see a scarred face and teeth not covered with lips because they're long gone. Yeah. And then we have this very weird shot that looks uh, anatomical in my uh, opinion. In the very, not that I, it's usually something that I see in TV shows or movies that I'm used to watching. I'm not watching like anatomical or surgical videos of that, like where something's going through one of the tubes that are in us. But let's face it, they're fucking gross. Yeah. We are just bags of meat. And, and, and we see these people going through that and it's like oh what's it's, in the sky isn't technological it's biological right it is it's it's one everyone, particular being it, it's it's everyone having this realization at the same time like i think ricky during his spiel is like oh the ship takes up you know uh the ship takes up the horses and we don't really know what they do with it um, it is not until the entire like it's like 50 people at Jupiter's Park that get sucked up into the being. Now, at the same time, OJ is kind of reviewing some like not footage, but I guess it's footage, but it's footage where they're like, we know this cloud is the thing and how it's moving and stuff. They're reviewing some like loose footage they have. Mm. And OJ has the realization that it can't be moving like a ship and it like it makes a noise and the way mm. it operates oj comes to the conclusion of like oh this is an animal this is a this is some this is something and like as the audience is coming to that conclusion oj is confirming like this is like not a spaceship this is a space animal we don't know why it's exactly here but we do know it is not technological like you said it is biological and um, and, and that's the cool thing uh, also like Jaws. It's not like yes. so many other sci-fi movies where these creatures are here either to befriend us or more often destroy all of humanity. This, this I'll say animal for lack of a better term, is yeah. just doing what animals do. It eats to survive and what it can't digest, it basically expels all over it, the, it, the area that it's chosen as its home hence yep. all the coins and keys and other shit and then later on in the movie blood all over yep. the fucking place yeah for, after, which the horror fan of me loves that was so great after so what happens is they realized that after they gave it the fake white horse and it couldn't digest that it got mad and the the a, a key signal was that the flag there was a like not confetti flag, uh, like, but like a streamers you ever, type. Yeah, of thing. the streamer flag. Like if you ever seen a car lot, the little red, you know, the red, blue, yellow flag pull uh, string little, thing. Little it, triangle gimmicks. Yes, the animals started to identify that as like, oh, this is going to be attached to something that I cannot eat, which yeah. is very important later on in the movie. It's inedible. Um, it's inedible. Uh, and then, uh, but when it when it expels the plastic horse. It also expels all the like you. It, there's this insane scene that is uh, after it sucks up the people at Jupiter's Park. It's flying around OJ and M's house, and you hear everyone screaming. You hear everyone screaming and like crying for help, and then everything silences at once. Like it oh. like basically kills them all at once. I as it eats them. did not notice that. Yeah, to be it's. When you when you rewatch it, like I it it because that's like right before it rains all the it basically rains all the stuff it couldn't digest the blood the horse it rains the plastic horse it rains all that on the area of OJ's home, so like the the blood gets on the house the plastic horse falls like through the car. There's also this other important piece that OJ learns, which is like it's an animal that like gets uh. Ag uh, aggressive with eye contact yes. so you'll notice like everyone at the park looks up at it as they're getting sucked up 
Whereas OJ, there's a few times OJ almost gets like sucked up by it and he's looking up at it and then he like flashes back to memories of like, you know, animal show aggression when you make eye contact sometimes. So he like turns and looks away and instead of sucking him up, it like just passes over him, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like also very important. Uh, So that that incident, the Jupiter's Park incident is what sparks the director uh the the filmmaker guy what's his Ant- name antlers holst is what sparks antlers holst into being like okay i'm interested because they reach out to him and he's like i'm not interested this is bullshit and he sees that on the news and he's like oh there might be something here i gotta get the shot and he brings an old timey hand cranking camera yeah using film to get this impossible shot and uh yeah, I'm glad you brought up that thing because I will watch this movie again. And I'll yeah, yeah, it's it's aware it's... to look out for it. So yeah, they're 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 trying, they're failing a lot of trial and error to yeah. try to get this thing in its truest form, and they start utilizing bright colors and wacky, wobbling, inflatable two men yes. to try to. Not only like when when the electromagnetic uh, pulse uh, causes them to cease to function, it's like, oh, that's where we know the fucking alien is. So that area is dangerous. But if we got our wacky, wobbling, inflatable tube men working over here, we're safe because, you know, the walkie talkies they're using, they're not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and then a motorcyclist paparazzo shows up um, on his uh electric motorcycle uh and he goes flying and he just wants to get the shot too somebody else trying to capitalize on things um things don't work out well for that paparazzo they do not things don't work out well for antlers trying to get that shot he like he gets too much hubris he like he's like i can go get this and i don't know why he like like there's it's it's almost like that it, if someone's like, oh yeah, this kind of doesn't make sense, I'd be like, all right, that's fair, I get it. That doesn't necessarily make perfect sense, but like he definitely, absolutely goes out there with a handheld camera, crank camera, trying to get this shot, and then he's like, oh no, I'm getting sucked up into the, <laughs> um, like you know, he got too big for his britches. Uh, I would say it's like some of those really weirdo guerrilla filmmakers who are like. You'd hear stories about a movie where, like, yeah, they built this bridge, only blow it up. Or, like, documentarians, like, we're going to go chill out inside a volcano because nobody else has done it before. Oh, um, yeah, that's but, true. But my favorite, of course, is uh, Angel Torres, the barbed wire nerd, who wraps himself in barbed wire, gets sucked up into this being, and then spit out. And, you know, the hardcore wrestling fan in me is chanting, he's hardcore in my head. I don't want to disturb other people theater yeah. like all right he, he figured out a way not to get sucked up and it looks like uh, oj did at some point riding his, his his white stallion um as many heroes in, in westerns would yes. so i like that it oh. straddles genres a little bit in that oh. aspect yeah and also there's like a just the fun joke of oj riding a white bronco <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe a stallion, <laughs> maybe a bronco. I, see it, what you're I, doing. I, I think it might have been a. I think it might have been a stallion, and they did have a white bronco. But mm-hmm. uh, if you're unfamiliar, OJ, like when OJ's name is first said, there's a lot of like, are they doing OJ Simpson's references? And then there is a white bronco at some point in the movie, and it's like, okay, they do it. All right, we're doing it. We're here. We're here. Uh, Jordan Peele started in comedy. <laughs> he hey. He he knows his roots, um. But yeah, the 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 real the final plan they end up on is that OJ is going to use a horse to ride the alien past the camera far enough away that they can still record uh, with some of the digital stuff, but they're relying on the manual camera. And he then, instead of getting sucked up, what he ends up doing is popping a backpack with flags on it, so the alien is like. Oh no! If I eat this moving thing, I'll get sick again. It'll give me a grumbly alien tummy. Yes, and basically, 
they do that. They, I think they get the shot, but when uh, Antlers takes the camera to go get a better shot, he loses that footage. Mm-hmm. That footage gets sucked up into the alien. Yeah. And so now that not only did they do the work of getting the shot and almost die, they don't even have the proof that they did it. And the ending of the movie, the the like, I guess the climax is like insane. Basically, they piss off this like alien animal to the point where what we think is like this saucer disc looking animal, which is huge. It is incredibly large. It gets larger and like opens up and becomes like this sort of beautiful mesmerizing jellyfish type yeah. animal. Very much like like a combination between a jellyfish and like a stingray. Yes, uh, and it's in its full sense, and it, it reminded me a little bit of Mothra in that it's kind of beautiful. Oh. But if you saw something that big, it'd also be fucking terrified. Yes, yes. And there's and this the- camera in a well at the theme park that's only very briefly touched on, but it's analog and yeah. that's how M gets the money shot or, you know, or to not be so vulgar, let's call it the martini shot uh, <laughs> of this alien proof positive, And it sends like an, another inflatable man up into the sky, which is then devoured and yep. causes a pop because it's that big and our alien's gone, but she's got the proof. Yep. She they they explode the alien right over the camera, which is like an insanely fun shot. Um and it's also fun that like OJ is the bait for the first trap and then he like kind of is injured and then M becomes the bait for the second trap. If you haven't seen the movie If you haven't seen the movie, See the he movie. dies. He dies. OJ dies. And if you have seen the movie, good job. You know the truth. <laughs> um that I think that was a big moment for me like them revealing like that he did show even though she, she was I love that she's the one that got the shot I love the reveal of like you know he he did make it <laughs> well I think and this might be me projecting this might be a reference to Mario Van Peebles character in Jaws the Revenge Because depending on what version of that movie you see, Van Peebles' character either gets eaten by the shark or comes back after the shark is stabbed by the bow of the boat. I remember growing up and seeing both versions and never knowing until you get to the end of the movie which version you're seeing because everything before that is 100% the same. Um, So maybe that's that's a Hollywood dig. I don't know if Peels ever mentioned that, but I did. Oh. En- I did enjoy the movie, but not as immediately as I did Us and Get Out. I feel that, again to make a Tarantino comparison of loving Reservoir Dogs and loving Pulp Fiction immediately. Jackie Brown took a while for me to hold it in the high regard that I have for it now. But at least with Jackie Brown, like I hadn't been uh, fully immersed into black exploitation movies yet, and fine ass Pam Greer, who now I want to find a time machine so I can go back to the seventies. She's so and, fine in that movie. She's, I mean, she's so fine in general. But me. I mean, I would now, I would now, but you know, mm. sorry, she, she, she I went no, off she, on a tangent. She's great. Like she's great. I, I need to. I truly need to see more Pam Greer stuff. That's like the big. That's probably the the main thing that I've seen her in. Um, but I know she's done so much. Like, she's got a full body of work um, mm-hmm. that, like, I need to, like, take time to explore. But I, I will say, I, I, I definitely feel that. I think the first time I saw Jackie Brown, I was like, oh, this is this is good. Like, I can tell this is good. This is, like, well-made. Um, but this is okay. Uh, I didn't think it was, like, great, great. And then I kind of became more aware of, like, black exploitation film and like w- like what he was exploring and the more i learned about that the more i appreciated it so i definitely get that with with i understand that feeling with no i like walked out i think part of it was i saw it with um one we saw it in imax and two we saw it like 
with a really amped up crowd like we we like bought out like two rows of this IMAX mm-hmm. to to go see this movie like me and a bunch of friends and friends of friends um that so definitely like, helps an experience the experience in theater i would say it's like it's one of those movies where like i would say whenever they like if you are familiar with alamo movie parties uh listeners uh rick i know you are <laughs> uh but if you're familiar with alamo movie parties they they they're like watch alongs where like they do like rocky horror picture show and you go sing yeah. along and like uh they do like the room and you throw spoons at the screen you know whenever you see a spoon so like nope i think kind of has it's leaning towards like a big crowd watching experience i think it can also be enjoyed artistically solo or in a smaller crowd but like it's got a huge big crowd appeal to me yeah it's definitely one that i'm i'm fairly positive the more times i watch it and like his two previous films i'm gonna notice more shit and like more things yeah and so you know when, when that that dvd comes out I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna focus intensely and see all the shit that I missed. Like the first, I'm positive that if I were to watch Us or Get Out today, I'd notice shit that I hadn't caught. Oh, for the sure. First, however many times I've already seen this movie. I've I've seen I've seen both of those at least. I've seen uh, uh Get Out at least like. 12 times now maybe 13 and i've seen us like eight or nine times because i own them both digitally so nothing to watch it on my phone or whatever but yeah every time i watch i think i notice something new like i remember noticing um the first time in get out noticing in the end rose is eating (laughs) she's eating uh fruit loops Mm -hmm. but the milk is separated okay. so she's like eating them dry and then drinking milk she, she's segregated her breakfast so. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's that richly layered of filmmaker oh yeah that, you know nerds can just be pontificating about all of his stuff like we're doing right now exactly uh for years and years to come and <laughs> and that's what like you just got to give it up to a motherfucker in one film became a master of horror and now three deep going into sci-fi. That's still scary. Yeah. Um, it's like, that's why he's the guy. I don't need to watch the preview. I need a title and I need a release date. And I'm going. <laughs> I mean, that is all I need to go. Uh, I'm, and I, I, I like appreciate, I think I appreciate there's some movies where I'm like, I don't want more than that. And it, it varies from movie to movie and even from, you know, like just movie to movie. I wouldn't even say director to director. There's some movies like, I think Get Out, I was like, I don't need more. Just give me this movie. And I think, nope, I was like, I want to know a little more going in because I want to know what to expect. But there's some stuff where I'm like, uh, that's the t- that's the title. That's who's in it. I don't need any more. Sign <laughs> me up. Uh, The Woman King. I don't need more than that. Yeah. I just need the Woman King and Viola Davis. That's it. Put me in, Coach. See that that was a movie I didn't know existed, so I needed to see the preview. Um, and and that happens sometimes. Like last night, uh, went to the Alamo uh, with Chelsea and beautiful lady. We watched Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So a thing like Barbarian or or the Menu, which I'd never heard of. I'm like, oh okay, yeah, the menu. I need to see those previews and and give it the thumbs up. And then the preview for Pearl. And Halloween ends came up, and I became very focused on my French fries at that moment. These fries are so good. Not looking at the screen, looking right at the French fries. I don't want to see nothing. So I'm going to see those movies, and I know I'm going to see those movies. Now I don't have to pay attention to Barbarian or the menu. And what worked with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was I saw the preview, and then I completely forgot about the details of the movie, just that I wanted to see a movie by that title. And I did. Nice. Yeah, you go check that out and let me know what you thought. I will, I will, I will. I'm I'm expecting to like it. Um, you know, I like uh I like that style of movie, so I'm I'm expecting to really like it. It's A24. They do weird shit. We'll do an A24 episode one day. I don't know when. Um but yeah, in the meantime, uh thank you for being on the show. Where can the people find it if they want to find it? Uh people can find me on most I think all social media is at Black John Ross, B-L-A-C-K-J-O-H-N-R-O-S-S. I bet Rick will write that in the episode description. I will. 
And uh, yeah, you can catch me. Um, you can catch me next year. I don't have too many shows coming up, but next year at the Magnet Theater, I'll be back doing shows. Um, somebody is planning a wedding and getting married. So mm. that's taking up a lot of time and energy, but uh, Magnet Theater. Uh, you can catch me there and you can also john uh jonathanross.com you can check out my site um and i'll have shows and stuff posted there as they come up let's give it up for the magnet theater in a rough couple of years when a lot of improv places shuttered up their doors and walked the fuck away with people's money the magnet is a community where a lot of people have found love uh, a couple of people are making babies um but yeah, it's a community, and I'm proud to be part of that community. Uh, yeah. and, and and I kind of created my own community a little bit within that community. So yeah, it hasn't been officially announced, uh, but you'll get all the details across the social media. Spooky Doings is back Sunday, Woo! October 30th, 9 p.m. We're kind of like the misfits of improv. It seems we can only play around Halloween now until we find a full home venue. But it'll be great getting back on stage. Uh, for those wonderful people. So yeah, Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook. Spooky Doings on Instagram. I'm Rick Guzman, 718 on the Twitter. John, I love you. Tell love them you too, I Rick. love her too. I will, I will. And you come back on the show anytime. And for everybody listening, in the meantime and in between time, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. <laughs>